What you believe is not always based on fact, and your pipe dreams, well, they're not always practical. And this is One Card Short. We've got myself, Mike, and the other Mike, and we're here today to talk about, uh, you know, a bunch of different shit, but uh, primarily, I think my topic that I wanted to bring out was the whole issue on the masks. Are they effective? How much are they effective? Are they not effective? What kind of bullshit have we been led to? But anyway, Mike, how are you? I'm doing okay, Mike. How about yourself? Uh, You know, I'm fucking dandy. (laughs) It is... It is Thursday, sometime in November, and uh, as I understand it, our lovely mayor, lovely Lightfoot, is uh, aka Beetlejuice, is going to shut down. There's or already has shut down the city again, lockdown. Yeah, and I, 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 I very much like your your segue there with sometime in November because uh, this has been going on for so long. We don't even know actually what time in November it is anymore. No, it's. I mean, I'm not even sure it's November. At all, it's it's, it's fifty some degrees outside, and it's, it's March four hundred and fifty eighth. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think we've been in twenty twenty for 12, 12 years and not not been able to get out of it. It's like the, you remember the Twilight Zone with yes. Rod Serling. The imagine a world submitted for your approval. Submitted for <laughs> submitted for your approval. Imagine a world. Whatever you get the idea. So uh, before before jumping on here, we were talking about oil and gas and how. Certain people in the population are hell-bent on getting getting rid of the oil and gas. Paris Climate Accords and uh, the World Economic Forum, the Great Reset, all that stuff. We're not going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about something else. As I said, we're going to talk about masks. But we're going to come back to that on another, another episode because I think not many people, people may have heard about it, but they really don't know much about it. Would, would you say that's accurate? Oh, very much so. And it's it's one of those things that, it's certainly out there. They're not hiding it. It's out there on the website. They're telling you who is they. Well, all the all the economic powers that be in the world, they are telling you what they want to do with the world economy, the world governments, blah, 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 blah. So we'll jump into that in another episode. But um, as I mentioned today, I'm going to I'm going to talk about masks. Mike, if we get into that, we're going to talk about the oil and gas thing as a function of what are the realities behind getting rid of oil and gas? And do really people understand how much of our economy and our lifestyle relies on oil and gas? Fair? Sounds good to me. Let's do it. <laughs> You're pretty agreeable Woo. today. Yeah. Woo. I, I, at this point in time, what, where would I get being disagreeable? I mean, I'm just, aren't we all just kind of going with the flow right now and, and just trying to keep our wits about us? Yeah, kind of. I think... Yeah, two, uh, you know, two guys that don't have full time jobs or don't have any jobs at this point are just looking for looking for gigs. And uh, you know, the interesting thing is if they if they do another lockdown and Biden actually does become president January twentieth, think of the stimulus package that he's going to put through. Yeah, that frightens me just a little bit. Well, that man with a blank check in his hand. Yeah, well, it's got to get through. Congress, right? Well, yeah. I mean, he's I mean, got the, the House. Right. The Senate is still an obstacle to it. Yeah. I don't I don't know if they're going to take the Senate. But, I mean, hell, if he's willing to write $5,000 checks for all of us and give us another $600 a week for whatever, you know what? We're already in debt, $400 billion, trillion. <laughs> right. Yeah. At, really? Do you know what the At some point is? in time, uh, I know it's in the trillions. Um, at oh, some, it's in the, yeah. At, at some point in time, what, I mean, to add another zero, what difference does it really make? I you know it really doesn't I guess so I, I, did did I actually just say that what at this point what difference does it really make Wow you did say that I did say that that was that's a horrible reference mark to mark that fucker down because he said it we're gonna go back to that at another date and say remember when Mike yeah so masks so let me ask you this masks back in May is what I can found masks were first mandated by certain state governments to be worn in public. Do you remember when the actual lockdown was in Illinois? When they just shut everything down? Was it March? I I, I do believe it was March. I think it was the end of right towards the end of March. Okay. I don't remember if May was the date that that uh Illinois locked down or not, but I do know um May was the earliest date. May 1, roughly the earliest date that states began to lock down or and require masks in public. Today, it's been six months. 
Oh, it's been longer than that. All right. My math is bad. Six months. So it's been six months, and everybody's bitching and moaning about masks. Um, I tend to be one of those that, that bitch about it because I'm not all that in favor of them. Never have been since the start. But we're going to go through some data today, and we'll actually parse out what's fact and what's fiction. Not to mention your your hockey playoff beard there. Is, My hockey is, playoff is, beard is a catcher. Is, you know, kind of. It's a virus catcher. Right. It's kind of you know, prohibits the effective use of a mask. Anyway. Well, you got one too. But uh, it's not yeah. it's not as no, robust. It's not no, not nearly as robust. It's not nearly as robust. And I about I th- spreading some miracle girl on there <laughs> and see if I can get it to fill in a little bit. <laughs> you want some uh you want some turf builder? You want some yeah, there you go. starter fertilizer? So everybody and their brother I mean I shouldn't say that, but I go into a store and everybody's got a mask on. How many times do you go into a store or a restaurant? Uh yeah, when you're sitting down, you you don't see the masks, but how many times do you go into those places? And you do not see people with a mask. Uh, very rarely. Uh, you know, every I would say of the times I've been in the store in the last few months, I would say maybe three or four people that I've seen without masks. Yeah, so it's very few. So, I mean, w- we were on a trip down to Tennessee, North Carolina, Cincinnati, driving all the way through a couple of weeks ago, and every state had their mask mandate. So... It would seem to be, I, I believe, well, I, I don't believe this, I know for a fact, 35 states require some form of mask wearing in their, in their mandates. It's not a law, it's, it's just a, it's a mandate. So 35 states out of 50 require people to wear masks. However, this is what I don't understand. According to Johns Hopkins University, as of today, every state except two states, that would be Connecticut and Rhode Island, have seen increases in their COVID cases and quite a few of them have dramatic increases in the last 60 days. My initial question is, what the fuck? If so many people are wearing masks, why is there such an increase? Is right. it is it the is it that people are stuck inside now that the weather's getting cooler? But it's actually not getting that cold. I mean, it, like I said, it's 50 some degrees here in Illinois and sunny. Right. And certainly not that cold in in the you know, the southern 3 quarters of the country. You know, here right. in, here in the US. In the for, west, even in the west? Right. And remember, this is six months into 15 days to flatten the curve. Yeah, right. And now we're seeing this enormous spike, despite social distancing, despite everybody wearing masks. Massive spikes I mean, I mean there's, in the past couple of weeks alone. Yeah, yeah, travel has been virtually non-existent. Uh, I, I just saw a story today that Boeing did not sell a single plane last month. Um, worldwide. Worldwide, which means that... Holy you shit. Know, that, uh, that shows you just how badly the, the airlines are hurting. I think... Uh, there's an airline in Norway, as a matter of fact, they're no longer flying outside of the country. They're only operating three airplanes within the country. Wow. So their entire fleet is grounded. And, 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 and no, so nobody's going anywhere. Nobody's doing anything for the most part. We're all staying pretty local. We're, we're all within our little hive communities for the most part. I mean, everybody's wearing masks that I see outside. Even though I don't like it, I don't agree with it, I'll wear a mask because I get it. You know, if... if I go into a store, a lot of stores won't let you in, won't let you buy anything unless you have a mask. Okay, fine. I'll wear the mask. But outside of, I mean, literally in the last, like, 15 days, in almost every state, the cases have literally spiked. And you cannot tell me that that's due to opening of restaurants and bars and people not wearing masks. Because the bars and restaurants have been open for multiple months, and so the spike... I don't care. It's bullshit. You right. can't tell me that, oh, you know, we, we got to have another lockdown. Well, that's that's not going to cure a goddamn thing. Right. The bars, exactly. The bars and restaurants have been open now for several months, at, well, a couple months at the very least. And, and uh, you know, here we are in mid-November seeing a sudden spike. Uh, I thought the incubation period was something like three to ten days. Yeah. Well, that was, like the, that. that was the reason for the two-week Right. quarantine. Exactly. So Which, those are, we're well past that. So here's the other funny thing. We, you and I were just talking about earlier the fact that your son is at college. He's mm-hmm. been tested once, positive. How long after that was he tested again? Uh, this is probably about a minimum of three months. Since, after he was originally since, tested. Yes. Okay. He, he was asymptomatic the first time as well. Right. So he got tested. He was positive. He got tested again. He was negative. Did he get tested again? Uh, no, they did uh, he did not get retested the first time. They th- they told him it was unnecessary. So because it, he was asymptomatic. Jeff, neighbor Jeff, he's got a son that goes to 
uh, a university, a large university, and he was tested multiple times within several weeks, tested positive, quarantined for two weeks, tested again, tested negative, and was free to go. Then quickly tested positive again because a couple of his roommates were tested, tested positive. So my question is, how can you test positive, negative, positive so fast? And does the virus leave your body that fast? I would say it's bullshit. I, I would agree with that. I'm not a medical doctor, nor do I play one on TV. But So I ran across this meme on, I think it was, it's iFunny. And uh, a quick one it says, me, why is the flu down 98%? We're in the middle of the flu season. I haven't seen a single case. Them, you stupid. Everyone is social distancing and wearing masks. Me, then how come 100,000 people a day are getting COVID-19? Them, you stupid. Because they're not listening to experts, not social distancing, and not wearing masks. So how can you have it both ways? Yeah. You can't. Yeah. It, um, and yeah, I was just going to mention that too, that, that uh, you know, here we are in flu season and, and yet cases of the flu are down 98%. So That's because everybody's being diagnosed with COVID. Yeah, exactly. Either that or COVID is the cure to the flu. Yeah, it's killing the flu. I have heard that story. Is that, I, ha- I have heard that, that COVID is that possible? eats the flu. Yeah. For lack of a better term. It could happen. I, the, the COVID virus is so nasty, it kills the it flu kills virus. It kills the flu. <laughs> I guess we just all need to get the flu vaccine then. No. no I'm sorry. Not the flu vaccine. I, th- I guess if you've had COVID, you never have to worry about the flu again. Well, and so they're with the, the positive negative thing. And, and again, you know, we know that there was a huge number of false positives in the testing. Even even today, we don't know what the number how that number has improved at all because they don't focus on that. They just focus on the number of new cases. It's all they want to talk about is the number of new cases. So, so what, what about all those false, false positives that were happened earlier and have the test been improved since then to eliminate that? Because again, it, it, it was said that once you have the antibodies that you're not supposed to be able to get COVID again. Well, if people are, I'm, I, I have to believe that some of the people who are now being told they have COVID have already had it previously. Yeah, and, and probably have had it a while. Right. Yeah. And by the way, the, the the number of people dying from COVID has fallen through the floor, decreased dramatically. Right. So a lot of stress, a lot of difference of opinions on the whole mask thing. Do we wear a mask in public? Are they effective? And over the past couple of months, just talking to neighbors, everybody has their opinion on wearing masks or not because of who they listen to, who they believe, whether it's Fox News, whether it's CNN, whether it's this doctor, that doctor. Fact of the matter is they, they unfortunately, nobody really has 100% of the right information. You know, as, as far as the CDC goes, they state on their, on their website today that their mask guidelines are, CDC recommends that people wear masks in public settings, um, like in public and mass transit, events, gatherings, anywhere that they'll be around other people. Great. Masks may help prevent people who have COVID-19 from spreading the virus to others. How? Because if I cough, the mask will catch all the bullshit. If you cough and you don't have a mask, my mask will catch all of your bullshit. We'll get into more of that because the type of mask is extremely important. Last point, masks are most likely reduce the spread of COVID when they're widely used by people in public settings. Again, we have just talked about all this bullshit about the increases in number of cases. Is it due to testing? Is it due to the fact that the masks are not effective? Um, we're going to get in that. The last thing from the CDC's masks are recommended as a simple barrier to help prevent respiratory droplets from traveling into the air and onto other people when the person wearing the mask coughs, sneezes, talks, or raises their voice, including singing. And I would have to say that most of the websites and media, you know, they're all back in the CDC and the WHO and everybody needs to wear a mask, right? The problem with that is it's not 100% accurate. But all they want you to do is to wear a mask. Any fucking mask will do. Just wear a damn mask because that makes everybody comfortable. Unfortunately, it really has become, for lack of a better term, a fucking circus of just ignorance and fear, in my opinion, mainly because people are too freaking lazy to go out there and do their own research to find out. And, and COVID is not the first time that masks have been worn in certain countries to try to prevent a virus. There have been studies about the effectiveness of different types of masks, <coughs> excuse me, going back to the mid-2000s. So this is nothing fucking new. But unfortunately, nobody wants to do the research 
They just want to listen to the media and, and believe whatever whatever they tell them. So today, we're going to present the facts. I've spent the last couple of weeks gathering as much information as I can from non-politically biased scientists who have studied viruses and their transmission well before COVID-19 even was on the radar. And uh, we're going to determine how effective they actually are in preventing, protecting yourself and others from the exposure to the virus. Just uh, as an aside, I, I kind of did my own non-scientific test recently. I was refinishing some furniture, <laughs> uh, which required a lot of sanding. And I, I you know, of course, went over to the, the home improvement store and I bought a bunch of those little... Uh, Elastic strap mask that you put on your face. Which ones? The blue ones or the white ones? The, the white ones. <laughs> you know, the, the inexpensive ones that are supposed to, you know, protect you from breathing and all that dust. Dust. And after a few hours of working, you take a break and you go in the house to take off your mask and what is caked around your nose and your mouth but all that dust that was supposed to be blocked by the very mask you're wearing. And those particles are, what, something like 10,000 times larger than a virus? Yeah, so we'll get into the size of, of these things. But, you know, that's an interesting point because when, I, when, when we were still cutting grass, I have a wicked grass allergy. And so if I'm cutting grass and I'm bagging the grass, all that fucking dust and whatnot gets up into my face and I'm, I'm done. My eyes are watering. I'm coughing and hacking, sneezing. I'm done. So I thought, okay, I'm going to wear a mask. I got one of those blue, those really simple surgical masks. I wore those. I'm sorry. I got an N95 mask. We had a couple of those laying around. Again, N95 mask. Wore it. We're great, right? I was fan- I was fine. Next week, the next time, I wore one of those simple blue masks. Didn't work for shit. I mean, all masks will filter out some things, but it didn't work for shit. I was I was feeling just just as horrible. So to your right, point, the, the second one probably would have filtered out entire blades of grass. Yes, coming at your face. Yeah, but, but not the tiny microscopic pollen. So. Today, we're only going to talk about the airborne portion of the COVID-19 thing because obviously masks really don't impact, you know, what they call the the, the contact, not tracing, contact um, transmission of the virus. And so um, at the end of the day, what our end game is, is to really try to give you enough information to determine is wearing a mask worthwhile? And if so, what kind? So we need to find out a couple of things. One is, as Mike alluded to, how fucking small is the virus, hence can a mask actually capture something that small? How does it travel uh, through a mask? And obviously, can the mask filter out the virus? So the size of a COVID-19 virus is anywhere between 60 and 120 nanometer. One nanometer is one billionth of a meter. That fucker's small. So to give an idea... I don't have a ruler that small. <laughs> well, no comment. So to give you an idea how small a single nanometer is... A sheet of paper, a single sheet of paper is about 100,000 nanometers thick. The strand of human DNA is 2.5 nanometers in diameter. Think of fuck. Fucking think about how small that is. So this is maybe it's it's uh, 15 times. No, it's 50 times the size of the width of a DNA strand is what is is the size of this virus. That's fucking small. That's that's insane. There are 25.4 million nanometers in an inch. Here's the last one. A single gold atom is about a third of a nanometer in diameter. So I was wrong. I, I actually do have a ruler <laughs> that will measure that. I just have to remember that it's one million some odd nanometers per inch. <laughs> so to give an idea. So I, I'm, I'm going to shoot out a lot of information, a lot of data, a lot of studies. I'm going to post this, my write-up, on the website. You're more than welcome to go. I've got all the sources. You can check it out. I'm not blowing smoke. I'm not doing it off the top of my head. This is actual real science. Also, which is interesting, the size of the influenza A virus is the same size as the COVID virus. So, Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? So if we haven't seen the flu come about, and only COVID, maybe the, maybe the COVID is like a little Pac-Man eating up all the little fucking flu viruses. So is it safe to say that we know that these fuckers are small? It's yeah, I think it's pretty safe to say that. Yeah, pretty pretty fucking. It, they're small, but again, this co- the CDC tells you to wear masks. Are the masks worth it? But what they didn't tell you, what the CDC doesn't tell you, is what kind of mask to wear. They don't say that. You can wear a fucking cloth mask, wear a bandana, wear a sock over your face. I've seen people with plastic shields. I've seen with N95 masks. Whatever. I actually saw, which was fucking hysterical. A guy was in a Menards, and a guy walked in there with a stormtrooper helmet on. That was brilliant. I wish I could have fucking done something like that myself. So we need to figure out what type of mask is effective in in managing this bullshit. The next thing 
We know the fuckers are small. The next thing in the CDC's comment was uh, about respiratory droplets to help prevent respiratory droplets from traveling into the air and onto other people. So what's a respiratory droplet? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? So a respiratory droplet, also known as an aerosol, you may have heard that term aerosol, is a, it's some liquid or mucus or whatever that uh, you exhale uh, when you cough, when you breathe, and every time you cough or breathe or sneeze or whatever, you are exhaling aerosol or droplets. A, a sneeze contain as many as 40,000 droplets. Uh, and most of these droplets, um, they can be big, they can be small. Small droplets are about 10 micrometers in size. So a micrometer is a thousand times a nanometer. The interesting thing about the internet is that if you're wrong, 10,000 people will chime in to tell you you're wrong. Yeah, so yeah. I would imagine we'll have that. So somebody our, will correct that. On our comment section real, <laughs> real quick after we post this shit. So the liquid or solid particles that are suspended in the air, they can be visible. Visible, You know, if you, if you cough really hard, you may see a cloud. Could be a fog, but most of the time it's not visible. I mean, if you cough or sneeze, you really can't see that, that moisture cloud in the air. Think of dust or pollen. If that's in the air and you're outside, unless it's a really heavy pollen day you can't see it in the air but it's there right i so, I, I have seen it um I, I saw a video that somebody posted online i don't remember where it was from but the uh this tree that produces this enormous cloud of pollen is well known in the area and all of a sudden the the wind picks up yeah. and you see this just this giant yellow cloud. Pine, it's from, pine pollen. Is it? Yeah. And, I mean, it was just horrifying. I'm like, because I, I know people with some pretty bad allergies. I'm like, I, I can't even imagine how you live like that without a mask. Without a mask. A full, a full respirator. Yeah, especially when pine <laughs> is in the pollinating season because it, it's like a fucking cloud. And you'll see it covering the ground with just a yellow haze. But, uh, yeah. So, bear with me here a moment as we go through this. We know that the, that the virus is... Super, super tiny. We know that they are carried through the air, out of our bodies, through these aerosol droplets. Then we have to worry about zone of spread. And zone of spread is if you cough, sneeze, how far does that go, right? The reason, so the usually the minimum is about three to six feet, depending on, you know, if I'm talking to Mike, I'm sure he's getting some of my aerosol droplets. He and I are about, what, two and a half, three feet away? Um, and vice no, versa. No, we're easily six feet apart. Yeah, yeah totally. we're six feet apart. Do you, um, do you, let me get up my, my nanometer tape measure. That's right, my nanometer tape measure. They can they can spread between two to three up to thirty feet uh, in distance. So that's where they get the six feet of social distancing is because that's the normal amount of distance through which these aerosols will fall to the ground. Now there's two different sizes: large aerosols, large droplets, will fall to the ground rapidly. The small ones, however, will stay in the air up to 30 minutes before falling to the ground because the droplets evaporate, leaving the dust particles and the viruses in the air much longer than the large droplets. And I just got to say, you know, given the, the world that we live in, uh, just like, the, you know, the, the watermelon seed spitting for distance and tobacco spitting for distance, no doubt was in, invented by a bunch of drunk guys sitting around a bonfire one night saying, hey, I bet you can't do this. And I guarantee you right now in the world somewhere, there's a bunch of drunk guys sitting around saying, I bet I could go farther than you. I bet I could sneeze far. Well, yeah, it's the old <laughs> farmers, uh, farmers, what do they call that? The farmers blowing the nose. Absolutely. You've got large droplets, small droplets that can spread between, you know, three feet to 30 feet. The idea is the mask will catch most of these so they don't get into the air and reach other people on either side. Whether they're wearing the mask or... Somebody coughs without a mask and it's coming toward you. So that data was found on multiple websites. PubMed, MIT, uh, Massachusetts Institute of Technology uh, did their study, and another one called First 10 Emergency Medicine. So again, I'll have all this stuff on the website in the article. You can, you can, you can check it out. We know that COVID is airborne. Anybody tells you different is lying. And as I'd mentioned, in any average sneeze, you can have about 40,000 of these droplets between 0.5 and 12 micrometers in size. Okay, well, a half a micrometer is 5,000 nanometers, and 12 micrometers is 12,000 nanometers. So think of how many viruses you can have within those droplets. It's a significant amount. And they can be expelled 
as you cough, they can be expelled at a speed of 100 meters per second. So not only does your mask have to be able to catch the particle size, but they have to catch it at a speed of a, at 100 meters per second. Do you know what that is in terms of miles per hour? Would you, would you venture a guess? Couple two tree. Couple, <laughs> couple two tree. <laughs> we'll look that up. So I think I mentioned how long this stuff can stay in the air, right? Did I? Yes. According to one study, a thousand nanometer droplet will take eight and a half hours to fall to the surface. Eight and a half hours. That's some hang time. So if you figure, if you figure, if all of these droplets are smaller than 10,000 nanometers, no, fuck. Yeah, so eight and a half hours to fall to the surface. But they're in a droplet. So you figure, okay, you do some simple math, um, 10,000 nanometers or, or 10 micrometers, it takes about 30 minutes for the water to evaporate and for it to fall to the surface. So think about it. 30 minutes, these little fuckers are floating around there in the air. And even if you have a mask on, if your mask doesn't have a good fit, like mine doesn't, because I have all this fucking hair around my face, it's not going to stop the freaking virus. And if you think that your, if there's any gaps in your mask, that is, I don't want to say it's worthless, but it's not doing you much good. Right. Millions of nano whatever things of the virus could easily get in around the mask. Right. So, um, and it, so in, in terms of just a comparison of mass, if, if the COVID virus is the same size as the flu virus, you got to think they, that behaviorally they act the same way in the atmosphere. It's good. You know, the flu yes, virus is would. also going to Through the suspend in the air with the, with the, in this generally the same amount of time. It may vary a little bit depending on different characteristics, but I, I would think it's, it's going to be similar that the flu virus is also hanging in the air for the same amount of, amount of time. And yet, so you think of in terms of Woodstock. Woodstock took place in 1968 during yep. the flu pandemic. How many of those people caught the that, flu? That was there was no social distance. You couldn't social distance at Woodstock no. if you. There was tried. all kinds of non-social distancing. <laughs> and that particular strain of flu killed a hundred million people worldwide. Fuck, a hundred million. Hundred million people. And yet here we are in the middle of of COVID, and I don't know what the current number is. I think it's over a million well, and a half. But but then again, a million and a half. We've been going through this for, what, Nine 10 months? Uh, 10 months. But the, I think they've traced it all the way back to December of last year when it started in yeah, China. right. Now, we'll, we'll never know what the exact numbers are from a lot of these countries. Because, no. I mean, they don't keep records of most of that stuff anyway for multiple of reasons. But the numbers are nowhere near what that strain of flu was. Right. Either in infection rate or disease. So now we got the background. We got size of the virus, size of the droplets, so, how long they have airborne. They're airborne. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I, I need to correct myself there. It was the, the Hong Kong flu, which is H3N2. It only killed a million worldwide, not a hundred million. It was a million worldwide, but a hundred thousand in the U.S. Okay. But that you know, again, most of the deaths were people 65 or older. Nothing was closed. Nothing changed economically. There was no social distancing. Nobody wore masks. Unlike the uh, 1918. Yeah, when people actually did wear masks, right, of their own accord. But this is very similar animal. I mean, it's it's another virus of the same size, probably the same fucking size configuration of is any it other a, virus. Is it a coronavirus? A type of coronavirus? Yeah, probably is. Well, yeah, they all those are considered SARS, MERS. It's all type of coronavirus. So let's get to the meat and potatoes. The real question is, how effective are any of these masks at preventing the virus from getting to you? Whether somebody's not wearing a mask or somebody is wearing a mask and they cough or sneeze or whatever the hell it is, or they sing, apparently, and it gets airborne and gets over to you. So there are three type of masks that basically see everyone wearing. Cloth masks could be made out of t-shirt, scarf, a whole bunch of other shit, right? A bunch of different materials, but they're basically cloth. I like the crochet mask. So I think if my grandmother was still alive, she would make one for everybody. Well, yeah. And you've seen some of those. Yeah. Because... She's- because that that's going to work. She would be in full time production right now. Just just <laughs> she, a room full of grandmothers just knit, crocheting masks for people. You've got the surgical masks. Now it's important to know that there are three different types of surgical masks because there's multiple ply surgical masks. One ply, two ply, and three ply. The one that's three ply has a couple of different filters within that mask. So it's good to know that. So let's move forward. The the last one. Is and we're not talking respirators. We're talking. This is a. It's. It, you see the heavier white molded masks. They're N95 masks, and these are really thick, dense, um, white filtration material that's usually made by 3M. Now, 
what's important is the density of the material and the fit of the mask on one's, on somebody's face. So if you're, I don't care if you have an N95 mask, if your mask isn't really fit to your face, if you have a lot of gaps, it's not going to do much for you. And again, as I said earlier, all masks will filter out some things depending on how big they are, but not any mask is going to filter out everything. Here's a snippet from an article. Evidence of the efficacy of masks comes both from laboratory studies and real-world scenarios. For example, one recent laboratory experiment used a laser light scattering methodology. You know what that is? I don't know what that is. I do not know what that is. Uh, to visualize respiratory droplets generated while subjects repeated the phrase, stay healthy. So they're continually talking. While each utterance generated hundreds of droplets ranging in size from 200 to 500 micrometers, again, a micrometer is a thousand times the size of a nanometer, the researchers showed that covering the speaker's mouth with a damp cloth blocked nearly all of them. A damp cloth. Who's going to walk around with a damp cloth? So that's Uh, one study. Yeah, that's not going to be good for anyone. No. A damp cloth, right? Are you going to walk around with a fucking damp cloth? No, that's not realistic. Um, This woman by the name of Lisa... Especially in Chicago in January. You you don't want a damp cloth (laughs) on your face. Hey, but it'd be ice. Because it's never coming off. So maybe that fucker will block everything. (laughs) Oh, it will, including any respiration. (laughs) Yeah, and there's the catch, right? You need to wear a mask that you can actually breathe through. Um, Lisa Brousseau is a nationally recognized expert on infectious diseases whom for many years at the University University of Illinois at Chicago, and she recently co-wrote a piece that argues that cloth masks offer no protection from COVID-19. Quote, I just think it's not recognizing that the mode of transmission from this organism is likely, for this organism, is likely small aerosol at close range. And wearing a cloth mask shouldn't give you any feeling of safety for being close to people. It shouldn't make you feel that you're not generating small particles because you still are. She says she often points out that, that we're seeing a lot, what we're seeing is a lot of wishful thinking. Well, that's comforting. So you, so you have a doctorate of science from U of I Chicago saying basically cloth masks are worthless. Right. On another study tar- titled Particle Size Selective Assessment of Protection of European Standard um, Facial Protection and Surgical Masks Against Particles Tested Within within Human Subjects. That's a fucking mouthful. I don't know if I can say that again. Their conclusion was that the tested facial protection and surgical masks in this study were observed to have the worst protection against particles between 263 and 384 nanometers. How big is the COVID virus? 60 to 120. So a fuckload smaller than their range. And it had the worst protection. And that's a surgical mask. A surgical mask. Now, I didn't find out what grade of surgical mask was. But I'm assuming if it's a scientific study, they're going to be using a surgical mask. Although, now, if you if you think about it in that context, during surgery, the patient's most likely going to be unconscious. They're going to have the um, oxygen mask over their face. So they're not going to be exhaling out into the operating room. Um, the surgeons, assuming that none of them have COVID, everybody wearing a surgical mask wouldn't be that big of an issue. Unless... Correct. Surgical masks in surgery are primarily used by the doctors and the nurses to protect themselves from splatters of large droplets, mm-hmm. not from micro microscopic virus organisms. You, you know, you've heard anecdotally many times of the worst place to be is in a hospital because of all the virus floating around. Are the surgical masks really that effective against shit this small? One study says no. Uh, Another study found at the NCBI, National Center for, uh, what the fuck is it? It'll be on the website. The surgical mask, N95 respirator, and elastometric respirator, whoa, have been popular among many countries with different degrees of success against the COVID-19 virus. Surgical masks are believed to be not preventing aerosol transmission. And N95 masks are recognized to be preventing aerosol and droplet transmission. So there you got another study that said surgical masks, not so much. N95 masks are the way to go. There's a graph that I found uh, that, that basically shows four different types of fabrics, how effective they are at uh, filtering out certain particle sizes. And again, I'll leave that on the website. But basically, I'll, I'll give you some idea. Uh, let's see. From the bottom, it says two layers of 100% quilted cotton. 
two layers. What's this t-shirt I've got on here? Is that quilted cotton? I'm going to say it is. Two layers of that only blocks out 7% of all particulates. This doesn't say what size of particulates, but let's, for argument's sake, benefit of the doubt, let's say it's a fucking virus size. All right. Uh, folded bandana, 9.6% of particles effectively being blocked. This what I thought was funny. A fucking coffee filter. A two-layer <laughs> brown coffee filter blocks out 14% of particulate. Um, so if I'm wearing two coffee filters on my face, then I'm doubling my protection. You're doubling your protection. And here you go. If you wear a t-shirt and a flannel on your face, that'll block out 15%. Uh, moving on up, this is kind of ridiculous. So I'll only go into a couple of these, but it's kind of funny. Two-layer Hanes 100% cotton knit shirt plus one-layer Zep towel blocks out 39% of the, What's a Zep towel? Is that a garage? That's... I believe that is, as a matter of fact. Like a garage I think style. I have some in my garage. N95 mask blocks out 95% of all particulates. So there you go. Does Do they work? Some of them do. Take it for what you want. At the end of the day, a t-shirt is really not going to protect you at all. Because the virus is airborne. It's an aerosols. If you cough, you've got it. If you cough, it's not going to stop it. your aerosol exhalation from getting into the air. Nor is it going to stop somebody's from coming through your mask if you're within three to 30 feet, there it is. You can you can take it or leave it. Uh, again, the goal today was just to understand what the point of fucking masks were. And they do have a point, but only if you're wearing one that makes sense. Cloth masks don't work. Surgical masks can work if you have the right filtration. N95, the best. And something that, you know, to, to put this in, in reference, the recent wildfires in California, it was the... The CDC, the Center for Disease Control, which in the midst of the wildfires came out and said, those paper masks that you're buying at Walmart, wherever, will not protect you from the smoke and ash from the wildfires. Yeah. Which, which have those particulates are considerably larger than a virus. Yeah, exactly. So anytime somebody says, well, wear a fucking mask, just wear a mask. You can look at them and say, well, if you get an N95 mask, I'll wear it. Otherwise, not not much point to it. For all you folks out there to have comments, questions, feel free to throw them to us on our website at Contact Us, uh, and we will uh, we'll take a short break. So we were talking earlier about oil and how the left wants to get rid of oil and gas and go to natural energy, but the, you know, oil and gas... What most people understand is how integral that is to every aspect of our lives, not just driving our cars. And so it, it's extremely relevant given the topic we just discussed, which is which is masks because right. and medical health in general, because the medical industry is, uh, I believe they are the number one consumer of single-use disposable plastics. Yep. Which includes those masks, those masks which are usually woven of uh, polyester or, or other petroleum-based products and are also treated chemically with petroleum distillates, distillates to, to improve their efficacy. Right. Yeah. So for people to think that, oh, we can just get rid of, get rid of gas and oil and move away to you know, some other type of cleaner energy, it's not going to happen. And it's not going to happen in our grandchildren's lifetime because almost everything, well, every room in your house has got, if you boiled it down to what was made from oil, I'm just looking here in the office and my guess is uh, probably 80% comes from some form of an oil product. Absolutely. Plastic being, you know, probably the number one. I don't care if it's clear plastic, dark plastic, whatever it is. Without oil, you don't have plastic. All your uh, your paint, everything, everything, yeah. um, even the, the internal workings. You've got so you've got your computer itself. So you got the outer casing. You know the the surround around the screen. I believe the I believe the screen itself is even plastic. But then the internal components, all of them use a variety of different kinds of plastics to hold the internal components together. Yeah, other than the soldering and the, the gold circuitry, it's all plastic. Right. So when you when you talk about, and it, it's not just Joe Biden, although it was Joe Biden during the presidential debate who said that he wants to, to transition away from oil. And if you think about that, it's, you know, just lovely, lovely little sentiment, this, this, 
Jetsons version where we're all riding around flying cars that apparently never use any fuel because I don't remember a single episode <laughs> of the Jetsons where George had to stop for fuel had to for fuel his up. little hovering air car there. But it's it's not utopian by any stretch of the imagination. Car just it, the when you think of cars. Okay, so so let's let's just say we get rid of the internal combustion engine. Yeah. The the, the number one reason for the use of plastics in automobiles is to make them lighter and more fuel efficient. So now you're talking about replacing all our internal combustion engines, you know, steel bodies and all that stuff, with electric cars. Well, electric cars have to be extremely light in order to get the battery life that we need to just live our lives, whether it's whether we're transporting ourselves or we're transporting uh, goods and services, you know, whatever we're, we're using those vehicles for. Now, so now you're talking about incorporating more plastics into the design and construction of those vehicles. Plastics are entirely made of oil. There is no other way around it. So you can't, as we as we talked about earlier, we can't have you you can't build a car out of hemp. No, can't build <laughs> a car out of hemp. Even batteries, you know, the the car batteries. The big car batteries that run the electric cars are encased in plastic. Right. Carpet, uh, linoleum floors, that chair you're sitting on, fake wood floors, plastic. Where's plastic come from? It's oil. Oil. Dead dinosaurs. Dead dinosaurs. I'm going to look so, up here. How many how many gallons of oil does it take to generate a certain amount of electricity? I'll let you continue with your... Uh, so even paper. I look at the you know the paper here in the office. You think, oh, well, that's that's... You know, that has nothing to do with oil. That uh, that comes from trees, which is all fine and dandy, except for the fact that uh, most of your inks are oil-based. Yeah. The paper has to be processed. Those trees have to be processed into paper, which requires a huge amount of energy, um, not only for, for logging purposes, for milling purposes, transportation purposes. There are tremendous amounts of oil consumed and just taking a tree somewhere in the Pacific Northwest and turning it into a ream of paper and then transporting it anywhere in the country to put it on the store of your sh- the store shelf at your local office depot or, or wherever it is. And then you're going to jump in your internal combustion engine vehicle, which also relies heavily on plastic and, and other oil additives and, and lubricants and stuff. And you're going to go drive over to the, the, the office supply store to buy that ream of paper, then transport it back to your house where you're going to put it in your computer, which is, or your printer, which is almost made entirely of plastic. Okay. The EIA, U.S. Energy Information Administration, U.S. Utility Scale Electricity Generation by Source for 2019. Fossil fuels accounted for 62.6% of all electricity generated. Nuclear, 19.6%. And renewable energy, i.e. wind, hydropower, solar, was only 17.6%. So, if the idea is, are we going to get away from fossil fuels and non-renewable energy sources to generate our electricity consumption, we got a fuck long way to go. Long from eighty some well eighty two percent yeah we have to replace and wasn't it Governor Newsom in California that came out not too long ago and said um, we're going to have to do rolling blackouts and we're going to have to go back to some oil based energy because we don't have enough renewable energy to power everybody in the LA County area yep that's exactly what happened um, and there's st- I believe they're still doing rolling blackouts as a matter of fact. Specifically because of that. But they're going to have 100% non gas powered cars by 2035. Yeah, which is 15, 15 years. Which is impossible. I mean, we can certainly talk about what's involved in in meeting that goal. I think I think that's, that, that would be a good topic at some point in the future because the, there is not the capacity at this time to mine the rare earth minerals that are required to build the number of batteries that would be needed to to manufacture that many electric cars. On top of the fact that if you look at the price of the average electric car now, half of the population can't even afford them. Well, probably, even more, if they, probably more than half. I think to, and not only that, but to replace, I think those battery packs are only good for like, what, how many years? I'm going to say it's 10. I think I heard that somewhere it's 10 years. So when you go to replace that, it's like 11000 this is from a Prius, $11,000 to replace all the battery packs on a Prius. It's kind of like replacing your engine. 
literally, mm -hmm. but it's double the amount required to replace a full fuel-based combustion engine. Right. So how, like you said, fuck, I can't even, you know, you, how many people can actually afford an electric car? Right. What, are they on a buyback program? It, and it's, that's just it. The, those renewable energies, solar, uh, wind, they do not exist without substantial government subsidies. Right. So these, you know, these people in your neighborhood, you know, hey, they just got solar panels on the roof. You know, they're going green. They're getting off the grid and everything. If it wasn't for substantial subsidies to allow companies to do that, it would be it wouldn't be cost effective. Well, and even from the consumer perspective, I think the average lifetime to pay back the cost of the solar is like twenty years. Right. How many people stay in a house twenty years to actually make it pay off? From the investment. Of small and percentage. the other question is, and I don't know the answer to this, but the other question is, the amount of money you're going to sink into putting that solar system into your house, are you ever going to see that back in the sale price? I don't know. No. I, I'm guessing not. Um, uh, as a matter of fact, there was a, uh, there was a story in, I believe it was from Colorado, um, just within the last couple of years. One of the largest solar farms in the entire nation was hit by a hailstorm. Whoa. Utterly destroyed. Every the single panels. panels. The panels were, were just absolutely wiped out. So wow. they went from producing, what is it, 10, 15% of the power for that particular area to at nothing. one time to nothing indefinitely because of the time it's going to take them to repair all that equipment, if, if they even do that. So the, you made the comment of batteries and the requirement of rare earth elements. And there's only, out of the 12 rare earth elements, there's only four or five that are used in battery production. 98% of all rare earth elements are now processed uh, by China, even though the vast majority aren't, are, well, I shouldn't say that. A good portion are not mined in China. Uh, they are required to go to China for processing, uh, which adds an additional cost. It's not that the rare earth elements are rare. They're all over the place. The problem is to find the, the sources uh, to be able to mine them cost effectively and then to be able to uh, uh, process them um, that is economically friendly. Because right now, the, the, the process... The only reason I know this is because I've invested in some REE companies and have done a lot of research. So the current way to process rare earth elements is highly toxic to the environment. So there's another trade-off. So you want all these electric cars, right? You already have, I mean, you already got REEs and your cell phones and every, every battery thing you got. Yeah. In order to do that much of rare earth elements to, to create all these cars, you're going to destroy a, a massive part of the environment through all this processing. So one of the big things that the U.S. government is doing is trying to find ways to process them in a much more economically friendly air, uh, way. In addition, the U.S. Defense Department is investing significant dollars in resources outside of China because obviously if they ever became a real threat, they could just close that off and we'd be fucked. When you think of the, the number of vehicles that are, that are involved, for California to meet that goal of eliminating internal combustion engines, uh, just registered drivers in California as of 2018, there were 27 million registered drivers in the state of California as of 2018. That's just registered drivers. That doesn't say, doesn't, doesn't specify if it's truck drivers or, or whatever. So when you think in terms of, of uh, interstate transit, uh, transportation of, of goods what about trucks there uh, everything comes into the west coast ports la long beach there's multiple ports in in the state of california and then it's all distributed across the nation by diesel railroads and diesel trucks so are they now going to be required to use electric trucks to drive it to the border well <laughs> with i'm assuming with any uh, adjoining states and I, then i'm assuming that's the goal right um it that's what it sounds like it is but it's, how many how many truck companies are producing electric trucks? Right. Uh, none that I know of. None and of the not big a, ones. Not this time. And to invest, think think of what it would cost to just. You're an independent trucker. How are you going to afford? I mean, a big rig costs well over a hundred thousand yes. dollars. How are you going to afford one that's electric now? Right. Think of the battery power required to haul one of those fuckers. Yeah. Not even including trains. So obviously they they they're not likely going to put it on a rail of say if it's only going from California to Colorado, it's going by truck. Yeah. That truck has to get over the mountains. Yeah. 
which requires a substantial amount of energy. Right. Far more than driving on a nice flat level surface. Right. Like we've seen some of the prototypes. I think there's, there's a couple prototypes, uh, electric trucks. One of them uh, is also, they're using it as a test bed for the uh, artificial intelligence as well. But it's it's going over mostly flat terrain in Arizona. I mean, very, Not really been tested in right. the, in the uh, Loveland Pass of, right. of the Colorado Rockies. <laughs> not in the real world. <laughs> not a real world test, if you know what I mean. No. So, so this whole concept of of transitioning away from oil, which was which the exact quote from Joe Biden in the, in the last debate, but it's not just it's not just Joe himself. It's, not just it's Joe. It's the entire party. That's yeah. the, you know the the whole AOC Green New Deal. That is part of the, their thing. They want they want to eliminate the use of oil. In the United States, but if you think about it, millions of people—just looking at the at the world economy—millions of people, possibly hundreds of millions, depend on the production of oil. Whether they they work in the oil industry themselves, and we're—I mean—we're not talking about high-paid oil executives or you know the, the people who go out and, and find it, the surveyors. Forget, yeah, the explore, called, exploration companies. Exploration companies. We're talking about the, you know, the, the roughnecks, the guys who are out there in the field. Um, working on the big rigs. Actually working on the rigs. The guys driving the trucks back and forth to the rigs. The guys running the equipment back and forth to the rigs. The, the people who produce the equipment that supports the operation of the rigs. I mean, everything. The people who maintain the vehicles that carry the equipment back and forth to the rigs. It, it just goes on and on and on. All well, the, that's the, not even, you know, that's... That's just considering the oil industry. Right. That's that's not considering the refineries and everything else that's manufactured out of oil. Right. Like we said, fuck, 80% of this room is an oil-based product if you eliminate that. And, I, and they may not looking about looking at, they may not be looking at eliminating oil, but significantly drawing back. But even if you did it 80%, you'd be, you'd be destroying not only the nation's economy, but a significant portion of the global economy. And as you said, there is nowhere near the infrastructure to replace that with anything else, whether it's electricity, whether it's, you know, even if we could replace 80% of the oil, fossil fuels with renewable energy, renewable energy is hydropower. It's wind. How much, how much work do you need to do guess my question is the number of jobs that it takes to to produce a megawatt of energy from oil versus the number of jobs it takes to produce a megawatt of energy electricity from wind my guess is it's not the same no what that is i don't know but but you're going to destroy a massive amount of jobs in that process yeah even i mean the oil industry is is by no means some utopian place where everybody gets rich uh like unlike what's portrayed in the movies and there's a lot of nations in the world where oil produces wages, which may be considered poverty level wages, but any income is far better than no income. Trust us on that one. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, you've I mean, got some insight you, there. You're, you're taking livelihood away from people who have no other alternative than to work in in the oil industry for whatever they're doing. You know, if they're working in a jungle someplace, uh, running a pump or or producing steel in a plant someplace that that can be used to to make piping for the for the uh oil industry or chains or you know whatever whatever it is that they use i mean fuck you think about polyester clothing polyester is oil based is it right? not yes it is how much of your clothing is non-natural materials well going back to our previous discussion about masks and you know all the, the personal protective gear so what the petroleum industry re- represents in the world today even before COVID-19, right. before all this happened, a single urban health care facility, say pick any hospital in the, in the city of Chicago, produced an estimated 3,500 tons of medical waste a day. A day. 3,500 tons? That's, that's, that's medical waste. That's everything. That's blankets, band-aids, everything. Everything that it's all single use. They don't launder most of that stuff. It goes to an incinerator. And the reason it goes to an incinerator is because that's the only way they can 100% guarantee that there is no retransmission of any virus or bacteria or anything within that material. I had no idea it was that much. 3,500 tons. Of that amount of waste, 25% of that is plastics. Single-use plastic. And so that single-use plastics uh, accounts for everything. Syringes, tubing... 
IV bags, valves, clamps, couplers, bedpans, testing materials. Think of pill bottles. So I'm not a fan of it, but uh, I'm on several medications for the rest of my life. I actually, I have a box at home. I started throwing all my pill bottles in there. Just, I, I don't know why I actually started doing it. I think it was just kind of a reminder is that this is my reality and every one of those bottles that I throw in there represents another day or month or week or that I made it through and they just they keep stacking up and there I mean there's hundreds of them in there now right but and that's only going to grow but those yeah and those are are single use items those those pill bottles even though they're they are completely recyclable as much as a water bottle is they were never intended to be recyclable even um medical implants prosthetics all that stuff is manufactured from plastic uh even even your the pills themselves the so the time-release pills come in those little plastic, plastic sleeves. Yeah, that's a plastic. It's a biodegradable plastic, but it is. That's what it is. We're fucked. So, all of the PPE that we're t- that we've been talking about for months now is all petroleum-based. It's all made from pro- polypropylene, polyurethane, polyester, vinyl, or other petroleum-based materials. Even the paper fa- face masks that you're buying at Walmart or Target or or wherever are treated with petrochemicals that are known to improve the efficacy of so let me ask you this. So, so the people who and you're right it's not just politicians and i'm sure there's i'm sure it's not just the democrats i'm sure there's plenty of republicans who would love to do more for the environment who would love to go green the fact of the matter is they're delusional for them to say we're going to eliminate 80 percent of Petroleum and gas products, you know, say it's in 20 years through this Green New Deal. No fucking way. No. And why Why would, I mean, how stupid. It, it's almost as though, just like every politician who has to justify their job every day with, with every piece of bullshit that they spew, it's just a way for them to be extreme, whether it's on the right or the left, for them to be extreme and pitch a program that they believe is going to resonate with their base. Right. And it, it's, it, they don't even fucking do the science behind it before they spew it, this shit. Yeah, it's n- it's not about actually doing something. It's about the appearance of, of doing, doing something. something. It's just like the, you know, the, the Paris Climate Accord. Look what we're doing. Well, no, you're not really actually doing anything. No. Uh, incidentally, the ink that you signed that with on the paper that you signed, they're all produced by petrochemicals. So, I mean, if you think about it, so not just in in this room, okay. So so in this particular room, it's just a, a typical ten by ten office. Ten by ten office. Yeah. So it's you know, no different than anybody else's home office or even an office office. But you think about in, in medical buildings specifically, everything in there has to be resistant to viruses and bacteria. So even the the large medical equipment like beds and gurneys, MRI, X-ray machines, pressure monitors, even the ventilators that have become so vital during this COVID battle are manufactured with very high percentages of lightweight bacteria-resistant plastics. Yeah, and I get... Not hemp, not cloth, not some magical fairy dust made out of unicorn skins. It's made from plastic. Yeah, and I guess, you know, as far as clothing goes, I suppose, I don't know much about hemp, but I suppose you could begin to create a good portion of clothing, you know, with hemp as a substitute for cotton or in addition to cotton to try to get get away from polyester. But how is, what's it cost to produce that? And can they grow enough of that to replace the other fabrics. We should start a hemp farm. We should start a hemp farm. All us old fucking old It's legal fuckers. now. Yeah. We just got to get a big enough plot of land to start a hemp farm. Yeah. Fuck. That's a damn good idea. I wonder how much you'd have to grow to make it worthwhile. And we could use battery-powered tractors. But would, would yeah. that would also rely on oil. Fuck tarn. <laughs> so, yeah, if, if you look at eliminating the reliance on oil just in terms of the medical industry, which is, I mean, right now, as we know, yeah. is, is so incredibly vital, not just here, but everywhere in the world and it's so this is not this is an agenda that's being pushed worldwide and you but as we, be, we as you've talked it's a fraction of the use of oil in our everyday consumable products absolutely almost every person on this planet is using some form of oil based product on a daily basis and when you think of even your your all natural products so you go to the you go to the store, you're, you, I don't want any of that harsh chemical hand sanitizer. I want an all-natural product. And you go to the store and you find that bottle of all-natural hand sanitizer on the shelf. That all-natural hand sanitizer comes in a plastic bottle 
plastic seals and a plastic pump wrapped in plastic packaging with petroleum-based marketing spewed all over it about how natural it is. So yeah, so it, it's it's yeah, it's fueling the fire. Right, it is. It absolutely is. In it, cosmetics, think yeah. of how many cosmetics have are have oil-based stuff in them. Right now, what what they they could do, and I, I I think it's it's most definitely worthwhile is to look at in terms of energy production. How much oil were we using to generate the same amount of energy 20, 40, 60 years ago? Because that is most definitely improved. That the, oh, it's significantly the less. Yeah. Engines today are are built with which much closer tolerances. They use much less oil and a, a much thinner grade of oil. So there's definitely been benefits there. They're, the cars are more fuel efficient now, so we're burning less oil. And as I understand it, on, on the one of the conspiracy roads that I've been down is... That they can actually, technology is actually uh, there that they can make a combustible engine that will do double the miles per gallon, the fuel efficiency. But the fuel and the the oil industry kind of squashes that because they wouldn't sell as much oil. Now, that's down that conspiracy road. I don't know how true or not that is, but I'll throw it out there. Well, the, also down that down that conspiracy road is a car that ran on water. Yeah, um, you you saw that same. Yeah, yeah, I wonder how. Well, I think which I think was disappeared. Steam, much like a Clinton witness. Yeah, um, you got he got suicided. He got suicided, and his his uh, his patent disappeared in, in the wind. Well, it got bought um, and got yeah yeah crashed. It got shelled someplace. But uh, I mean, that's that's a, a really good example of 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 why this will never actually come to fruition. Because there are too many people. I mean, think think of that in terms of all the people who were involved in that the process of exploring for the oil, finding the oil, drilling for the oil, pulling the oil out of the ground, refining it, manufacturing things, it, it, manufacturing anything that has to do with this entire process, well, and and then turning it into an end product, whatever it anywhere is. in the world. Yeah. I mean, you're talking hundreds of millions, if not billions of people that are involved in this in some way, shape, or form that would be adversely affected. By yeah. So really, the problem isn't oil or natural gas. It's the fucktard politicians who come up with all of these pie-in-the-sky ideas that it should be a requirement that if you're going to come up with one of these fucktard ideas, or even if it's a good idea, you need to have done the research before you even spew it out of your mouth. Because you have people like AOC and the others in the squad, and you've got some others, you know, the, the climate change people and the Green New Deal people who are saying, we've got to go green, we've got to go green, but they really have no fucking idea what they're talking about. And the danger is that they put that out there and they infect everybody else's minds to say, yes, 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 we need to do this, we need to do this, when they have no clue of what they're talking about. Right, and... and- and don't misunderstand me. I, I, idealistically, it's a fantastic idea. We should be looking for alternatives and and ways that we can improve on what we're doing. I know I I did find out through my own research that there are companies that will recycle pill bottles. They require you to do things like take all the labels off them, <laughs> which some of the some of the pharmacies now are using labels that are not removable which makes that process even more difficult so there there are companies that will recycle them but this the process that's required in order to make them recyclable makes it unfeasible so well, and you also have i've seen companies in africa who have created a way created a brick out of plastics recycled plastic bottles to actually build homes which you look at the individual instance of that you go that's fantastic why aren't why aren't they doing it on a larger scale one, because it's not cost effective. And so while this this small company figure this way out, they can't do it. I mean, th- think about solving the housing problem in the developing world. How many b- billions and billions of tons of plastics do we put in landfills every year that we could, we could recycle right. and create fantastic alternative products from that, but it's not profitable. And I don't care if you bitch about the U.S. being a capitalist society or not, Russia China, India, Australia, the UK, any major country is not going to invest in that type of industry unless it's profitable to some sort. Absolutely. At the end of the day, that's what it's all about. And it's not just the U.S. It's freaking everybody out there. Even money. Even money. I'm I'm curious to know what percentage of a dollar bill is petrochemicals. I know. I know. I know the majority of it is cotton itself, or or how much energy it takes to, to create create a dollar bill. Yeah, 
which is based on oil. Because <laughs> I'm guessing the dollar ain't worth a dollar anymore. No. No, it's not. It's like worth 80 cents or whatever it is. But um, I don't know. Any final thoughts on that? Yeah, it's. I mean, it, it's, it's a noble cause. It's certainly one that bears investigation at, at every turn. Yeah, I mean, how can we reduce reuse and recycle but to say to throw an artificial deadline out there which i mean let's face it none of these people are are gonna live long enough to see any of this fail or, or not so they're never held accountable for it so they they can throw out these artificial timelines say oh we're gonna eliminate all internal combustion engines by 2035 yeah. sure we are and gavin yeah. newsom will be voted out of office yeah, in a couple long of years before and that somebody yeah. will rescind that dictate and they'll move on yeah in the in the meantime they've cost hundreds of thousands of people their jobs and their livelihoods and everything else trying to reach this unattainable goal so you know i I don't know what the answer is but the answer is certainly not saying oh we're gonna do this by this date regardless well the answer is for all of these politicians to shut their damn mouths until they can actually have have a plan a concrete plan to back it up and not only to solve their immediate agenda, but all the ripple effect throughout the entire world economy of how that's going to impact everybody, Absolutely. not just their own little fiefdom or whatever it is. All right. That's all we got for today. Uh, this is Mike and Mike. And uh, any comments or questions, go to our website, onecardshort.com. Hit contact us. Let us know. Let your friends know. And we will talk to you next time. Till then, we're out.